Hey there, Internet. I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this is I Will Fight You, a podcast where we've been turning opinion into stone-cold facts since 1986. Today's fact, asking about Bionicle lore will get you laid. (laughs) And he actually had to double check and be like, is that really our fact? (laughs) Welcome to Bonkle Talk, folks. Bonkle Talk. Hello, and welcome to NPR's Bonkle Talk. (laughs) (laughs) All bonks considered. (laughs) Bonkles, 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 bonkles. Uh, So this is going to be another one of those Kit Delivers a F***ing Thesis Lecture episodes. Yeah, so Kit has a lot of opinions about Bionicles. I have some opinions about Bionicles. Mackenzie has almost no opinions about Bionicles. Exactly. Hello. Hi, Mac. Did you know that Lego made robots that were like superheroes with elements? That was the only thing I knew about Bonkles, and that's about as much as I know about Ninjago, too. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you can draw a direct line from Bionicle to Ninjago, honestly. Pretty much, yeah. They really got that shit hashed out. And then they tried to replicate it like two or three times with knights. And then like they have this like Monkey King show now. Mm-hmm. They realized they tried to retire Ninjago like three times. They're like, no, it's still Prince Money. Yeah. Make more dragons. Make more ninjas with dragons. Make more ninjas with dragons. I think now they're underwater. They're underwater dragons with underwater kingdoms. Here's the way in which Mackenzie will largely relate to this. Mackenzie works in a toy store. Yeah. You gotta keep up on how the Legos are doing. I know the names of the various Ninjago characters now just because I have kids coming in and going, Do you have any Shane? And I know which one's Shane now. (laughs) Wait, no, there's a Ninjago character named Shane? I don't think there actually is. Is that the robot? Yeah. I know one of them's a secret robot. I can't remember which one's the secret robot. It's it's Cole's actually the favorite one. He's the black one. Hmm. Let's but, be clear that which I mean the one who wears black, the yellow minifig in the black outfit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're yet to be ethnically black minifigs. Yeah, he's the one who wears black in all the Ninjago products. He is the coolest. He sells out the fastest. Lloyd is the lamest. He's the one who wears green. That's the like the lead, isn't it? Yeah, but no one buys Lloyd. Shit. Oh, poor Lloyd. Everybody buys, it's either Cole, and then the second favorite is Jay, who does the blue, and then Lloyd just gets left behind. No one cares about Lloyd. I'm losing my mind at the prospect of a ninja superhero named Lloyd. <laughs> yeah, no, because clearly the much better names are Tahu and Lewa and Pohatu. <laughs> okay, first off, f*** you. Second, <laughs> I agree. I also think those are better names. They're etched into my terrible little brain. <laughs> I had an OC. <laughs> we all had OCs. Just one Bionicle OC, okay? I didn't have a subcontinent like you. <laughs> Excuse you, it was a full continent. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I gotta turn down my gain if I'm gonna be yelling this much. <laughs> and I do think you're gonna be yelling about Bionicle. I am probably gonna be yelling a lot about Bionicle. Okay, so I guess we should talk about our various histories with Bionicle. My experience with Bionicle is... I remember seeing a Lego set that was Bionicle once, and then I remembered (laughs) nothing else until Annie and Kit talked about Bionicle once. (laughs) I have always really liked Legos. I still like Legos. My husband and I collect Legos. There are Legos strewn throughout my home as an adult. I got really into one of the precursors to Bionicle, which was Throwbots. Sort of one of the first times they tried this whole like a specialty carrying case for your Lego action figure guy the made with Technic pieces. And then Bionicle came out. I really liked Bionicles. I think I had all of the main ones as well as the second series when they all got armor. And I think I had one or two of like the villain guys that came out 
between those two sets. I fell out around the time that they switched the cast to like the Metro Nui stuff. I played the shit out of the first person flash game that was like missed. The Matanui online game. I have an entire subthesis on that one. <laughs> I played a little bit of the second one too. A brief interruption. Go ahead. Metronui is a bionicle thing? Yes. Yes. Because I knew a creepy guy who was constantly creeping on me online for a while who went by Metronui and I just assumed it was a word he made of. Oh my god. There's a lot to unpack there. We don't have time for that, <laughs> unfortunately. And then like I played a little bit of the second Bionicle online game, but that one had too many, like, bad mini games that I couldn't get past. And, like, crafting mechanics, I had to collect a lot of grass, and I wasn't very good at it, and my computer wasn't very good at it. And then, largely Bionicle faded until I met John, and it turned out he also liked Bionicle at the time. And one of the reasons that I was like, yes, I think I will date this boy, is when I went to visit him, he lived like a half hour from campus with his parents and like in his room he had all of the original bionicle all of like the village elder guys he actually had those and he had all their canisters displayed in a set and it was very nice and i was like ooh. <laughs> also he had the transmetal 2 megatron dragon from beast wars okay that and i envied that yeah okay you gotta marry him just so you get that in the will clearly <laughs> i think that was the length of breadth of it i think i watched maybe one or two of the movies but couldn't really get into it never really read any of the comic books they were not accessible to me like physically i don't think i was able to find any of them so a lot of the sub lore just went over my head kopaka was my favorite <laughs> This is my surprised face. That was the one my OC kissed. <laughs> this is my surprised face. <laughs> so my backstory is a little bit similar. I also got into Legos at a pretty young age. My brother and I inherited one of those great big tubs of Legos. Oh, hell yeah. From our older brother, Jamie. We would like build stuff with that all the time. And then the Technic line came out and the, the Throwbots came out and we were playing around with those. And then Bionicle came out and we became obsessed, both of us at the same time. It helped that there were like even numbers of every figure release so that my parents could be like, okay, Kit will get their three favorite and Mac will get his three favorite and this will be fine. It's a good thing our favorites did not overlap at all. Oh, good. My brother's interest sort of fell off over the years. Mine maintained because I also got big into the internet at that point in my life and really involved in online Bionicle fandom. Got involved in the fan art community, got involved in the fan fiction community, ended up participating in a fan initiative called called the Bionicle Expanded Universe, where I made my own Lord of the Rings-inspired giant continent. If the characters in mainline Bionicle were hobbits, mine were the elves. I explained this at length on an episode of the Home for Wayward OCs with Christina Woods, if you are at all interested in hearing more about this. But anyway, I managed to keep track of Bionicle well into the 2008-2009 storylines. 2008, I started to lose track of what the f*** was going on, because everyone did. Then 2009, I came back for the soft reboot boot, and then shortly after that, the toy line was cancelled. I was basically with Bionicle throughout its entire original life cycle, heavily involved in the fandom and the curative aspect of it as well. Did you say fan art? Did you make- did you draw robots? I did draw robots. Excellent. 
Yes. I also got involved with a bunch of other fans that we sort of split off and started to try and make our own games in Game Maker based on Bionicle. That never really came to anything significant, but I did get back in touch with one of the friends I made during that whole process uh, just this last year. Nice. And it turns out that both of us are, A, both of us are still into it, uh, and B, he is actually working on a fan project right now called uh, Bionicle Masks of Power, which is an attempt to make a good Bionicle video game when I wish them all the best. There you go. Best of luck to that. Best of luck to that. All right, who's ready for my f***ing lecture? Let's go. <laughs> on Bionicle. I'm settled in. I'm good. Okay. I'm prepared to imagine a PowerPoint being before me. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't make us specifically a PowerPoint for two people. I'm kind of disappointed, honestly. If I will fight you ever transitions to being a podcast with slides, I will come back and revisit this topic with a PowerPoint. Excellent. I will make sure that it has like those old fashioned slide projector click click noises every time you go to the next <laughs> slide. And I'll make sure to have a grad student to progress the slides for me. Okay, so. <laughs> so in the 90s, Pokemon happened. It cannot be overstated the degree to which Pokemon took over literally everything. Like if you were a kid in like 1998, everyone you knew was into Pokemon. This cultural takeover cut into the marketing share of Lego in particular. Lego at the time was not doing particularly well. The last decade or so, toys had started to focus more on this whole like He-Man, Gem and the Hologram, story-driven intellectual property thing with like these recognizable hero and villain characters. And Lego was pretty slow to adopt that. And with Pokemon sort of eating into its market share by the late 90s, Lego starts verging on bankruptcy. It should probably also be noted that at this point, like if you know Lego today, Lego was not into IPs at that point. They were not making like branded Lego sets off of known IPs. It was all like knights, western, village, City, space, orange transparent chainsaw. <laughs> As I recall, there was like a little bit of Star Wars Lego in the early 80s, but they let the license lapse. So in response to being almost bankrupt, Lego picks up the license to Star Wars again. It also picks up the Harry Potter license, and it also starts development on its own story-driven IP. And this becomes Bionicle, which is a line of constructible action figures. They insist on referring to them as construction figures, a term which I refuse to use. Construction? Construction, yeah. No, that's just something that happens when you're having a really hard time giving birth, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what happens. Bionicle would then go on to have an ongoing story that would be supported through books, comics, video games, online shorts, and animated movies for 10 years. 10 years is a long time in toys. Generally, these things operate on three to four year cycles. 10 years is an eternity. 10 years is like four generations. And that's wild because like you're also talking about 10 years of lore, which is not something that they usually expect. You are not expected to come in knowing what any of this stuff usually is. Like Ninjago survives exclusively on like, hey, it's some ninjas and now they're doing like a water thing. And like that's all you need to know. Yeah, this had a very long, complex story and it got only more complex over time. I think I'm just going to go year by year and start explaining this shit, starting with year one in 2001. Oh, God, what a time. God, what a time. The internet was young. None of us really knew how to use it. <laughs> Angel Fire was still existent. 9-11 happened. 9-11 did happen, but only late in that year. In year one, the story of Bionicle was delivered via some tie-in comics that got shipped out with Lego Magazine. And this online game on the website, which was a, a online first-person point-and-click adventure flash game called the Mata Nui Online Game, which played a lot like Myst and f***ing ruled. 
The Matanui Online game was actually only supposed to be a tie-in to promote a big fancy video game release that was going to happen in the fall, but that video game was notoriously cancelled, so Matanui Online game became, like, the main storytelling channel for Bionicle that year. Holy crud. Yeah, and the Matanui Online game is not from the perspective of any of the Toa, like the heroes. Matanui Online game is from the perspective of a little villager guy called the Chronicler, who's later given the name to Kua, which gives everything this, like, sense of enormous scale. You're not the hero of this setting, you're just a little guy. Yeah, because, like, you wander around and you, like, have these special points where you do quests in these different zones and you, like, actually encounter these Toa, like, a little bit at a time. And it's just, like, they are these superhuman things that can do wild shit that you can't. Also, you have amnesia. Also, you have amnesia. For I have amnesia! The reason for the amnesia is revealed later and it is stupid. Mostly it's so people can explain lore to you. As it usually (laughs) is. Yeah, it's mostly so people can explain lore to you. There's actually a really good documentary you can watch on YouTube on the Subpixel channel called The Making of the Matanui Online Game. It goes into a lot of detail about how the development of that game by Templar Games played out over the year. Because this thing was not a a big drop at the beginning of the year. This was released in chapters throughout the year. If you have a chance, go and watch it. It's cool. All right, so in the story, we are introduced to the tropical island of Matanui, which is inhabited by these little biomechanical dudes called the Hunga, who live in six villages, each based around a classical element, and by that I mean four classical elements, fire, water, earth, and air, and also two additional elements, ice and stone. Why is there a distinction between earth and stone? Don't worry about it. They had two different guys. One of them had diggy claws, and the other one was good at kicking rocks. Don't worry about it. (laughs) He was really good at kicking locks. They had to have the Pokemon types in there. They were trying to get some of their market share back from Pokemon, so you need two additional elements that counteract each other, because when ice gets into water and freezes, it breaks stone or something. Oh my god, okay. Can I talk about Pohatu, the stupidest boy? I will get on to explaining all the individual Toa. Excellent. At which point you can describe (laughs) Pohatu, the stupidest boy. Perfect. These little biomechanical dudes, they have a creation myth. Legend has it that they were brought to the island by a benevolent spirit who was also named Matanui. However, another spirit, the Makuta, who may or may not be Matanui's brother, it varies wildly throughout the years, gets jealous of all this attention and he puts Matanui in a coma and then proceeds to unleash monsters on the island to eat the Tahunga. Perfectly normal. As told in prophecy, however, six heroes named the Toa land on the shores of the island in some suspiciously familiar canisters, by which I mean the canisters you bought the toys in at the store. Yeah, it turns out they're just like their little coma boxes. <laughs> There's a trailer for the video game that never came out where, like, the canister opens and a whole bunch of individual Toa pieces, like, fall out. And then, like, the Toa builds himself and walks away down the beach. And it's actually pretty cool. (laughs) And then they go about fighting the monsters and collecting these masks of power that will give them the ability to fight the Makuta. And they're all collectible. You can buy all of them in little packs. You can buy them in little blind box packs. Buy all our play sets of toys. Weekdays at 4.30. And eventually they do collect all the masks. And then they descend underground and defeat question mark the Makuta, who goes out on the absolutely baller line, you cannot destroy me for I am nothing. <laughs> I mean, so that's fascinating to me. Something that, that's mentioned in that documentary I mentioned is the fact that while they were working on the Matanui online game, 9-11 happened. And so as a result, like everybody who was working on this game, which was the studio was based in New York, they just kind of threw themselves into making this thing as a way of coping with the terrible, terrible thing that had happened to them. And as huh. a result, Makuta goes from like this, you know, Skeletor, like, nya nya ha villain 
to like a representation of the terror and despair and existential dread that they were all feeling, which actually makes him a much more effective villain and really cool. I mean, that's one way to cope. Yep. All right. So the toys released this year. These are roughly in chronological order. The first thing that came out were these box sets called the Rahi. The box sets later picked up the name Titan sets, but at this point, they're just the Rahi, which means monster. These were Makuta's monsters that were, you know, terrorizing the villagers. So you had the Nuirama, which were bugs. You had Muaka and Kanera, which were tigers and bulls with like extendable necks and snapping jaws. Uh, which were kind of cool. There were Manas, which were crabs. They weren't that cool. They were just crabs. The Nui Jaga, which was a scorpion. And then there was the Terakava, which they said they were reptiles, but they're really rock'em sock'em robots. <laughs> yeah, what you have to keep in mind is that all of these were action figures, not just like posable figures, but they all had to have some kind of little like mechanism that made them like do something. Like the original Toa had like a little wheel that you could turn that like made their arms slash up and down and stuff. So all of like the bad guys had to have some kind of little like action mechanism that you could trigger. The Terracava in particular just made no sense because they were like, they're supposed to be reptiles, but they're on a tread. Like they're on a tank tread. That's how they move. And then they have these little punch fists like Rock'em Sock'em robots and they just don't make sense. That's honestly, that's so He-Man though. It is really He-Man. Shortly afterwards, we get the Turaga releases. These were in little boxes, smaller than the Toa canisters. These were the village elders, the leaders of each village. So you had Vakama, Matau, Oniwa, Nokama, Nuju, and Wenua, one for each element. And then you had the Happy Meal release of the Tohunga, which is the villagers. These were not sets you could purchase in stores. Almost nobody has these. So so you had six little Tohunga, one from each village, Huki, Onipu, Maku, Jala, Kongu, and Matoro. You got to meet each of these characters in the Matanui online game, and it was cool. Yeah, they were actually like named characters. You could have conversations with them. They were sort of like your main NPC representative of the different like elemental villager guys. Yeah, they were cool. The last release of the year was actually the Toa, which is interesting because like the Matanui online game and all the tie-in stuff up to this point had been building the Toa up as these big, important heroes. So when the toys actually came out, it was kind of a big deal. You cared about these characters by the time that you were able to buy them in stores. And so you had the six Toa, Tahu Toa of Fire, Gali Toa of Water, Pahatu Toa of Stone, Onua Toa of Earth, Kopaka Toa of Ice, and Liwa Toa of Air. Annie, if you'd like to talk about your perfect stupid boy now. <laughs> so the thing you have to understand about all the Bionicles is that they were built on the same template. They had a specialty piece that was sort of their chest and torso, and the chest was wider than the torso, and that would be sort of where you would build the arms out. And there was a very simple mechanism in there, just a quick guarantee thing, where when you spin a wheel, that creates a mechanism reaction where they swing their arms, they swing a weapon. I think Anua, who was like the guy who had two diggy claws instead of like one sword or something, also Gali, who had like two little like scythe things, I think they could maybe swing them both at once, but I'm probably wrong there. Yeah, they could swing both arms. Okay, great. They could do both arms. And so they have all that. Everybody has these little like hand-based weapons, except for Pohatu, who is the rock guy whose whole shtick is, I'm good at soccer. That's his whole gig. <laughs> and so they were like, well, he can't really have an arm. I guess he has special shoes. His shoes are really good, I guess. So what they do is they basically like these galaxy brain geniuses, they look at this piece they have where like the space for the gear and tooth mechanism for the arm swing is on the top half and they 
turn it around so that he's like bottom heavy. This guy has like enormous hips and thighs, essentially, because he's so good at soccer with rocks. Pohatu's thick. <laughs> Pohatu's thick. So they make the mechanism just one where you like, where you're down by his butt and you turn the wheel and then he kicks real good. And it's just so dumb and I love it. What? Yeah, there's actually a um, there's a mini game in the Matsunui online game that got broken as a result of computers getting better because the animations were all on frame tick. So as a result, as computers got faster, the movement of the mini game got faster to the point where it's now impossible. But oh, there was a scorpion <laughs> that darting back and forth and you had to tell Pohatu when to kick a ball to hit the scorpion. Yeah, I do remember hating that mini game. Like I said, it got more difficult as computers got faster. That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't work anymore. The game is just a functionally blocked at that mini game. What was actually also cool about these sets is that each Toa set came with a mini CD. Oh my god, that's right. Kids, if you don't remember, a CD was a little disc you could put in your computer, and this was a mini CD. So if you if you had one of those like CD drives where it's just a slot that you put the disc into, that would not work. You had to have the CD tray because it had to go exactly in the middle of the CD tray and like that mini indent inside of it. But on that CD, it was like sort of an Encarta type encyclopedia program, which had a whole bunch of promotional videos for each of the Toa, which were really cool because they were astonishingly well animated for 2001. And then some other mini games and stuff and lore explainers, including that creation myth I mentioned. And also it had a trailer on it for the video game that got canceled. That's why that sounded vaguely familiar. Okay. The last release, like, sort of throughout the year were the Kanohi masks, which were the blind box collectible masks. And some of them were gold. Some of them were gold. Yeah, because, like, the whole thing is that, like, they all have the same default face, which is just, like, kind of a gross-looking robot face. But the big thing about basically just the entire Bionicle aesthetic is the masks, is everybody has, like, a specific mask. A lot of the, like, small little guys who aren't Toa will have ones that may mean different things or resemble a different Toa. The Toa masks are ones that give them, like, superpowers and stuff. So I think the idea was, like, if they switch masks, they would have different abilities and sometimes they swapped each other's out, which is... Weird and intimate when you think about it. It is a bit. Here, wear my face. Please, put my face on. And so, like, you would have these blind bags where you would essentially just, like, find different color palette swaps for these masks that they had already established. And sometimes the gold ones were there and the gold ones were ones that they really needed to get in, like, the video game and stuff. What was going to be the plan in the video game and what sort of became a thing that happened off screen in the Matanui online game is that when each Toa collects all of the other great masks, which were the masks that the Toa wore, basically, if he if he collected the faces of all of his other teammates, those merged into a golden mask. <laughs> I got all my friends' faces in this bag. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Don't worry about it. <laughs> For the record, my favorites were Gali, Pohatu, and Onua, and my brother's favorites were Tahu, Kapaka, and Liwa, so that worked out. Yeah, Kapaka, Liwa, and Gali, I think, with Onua, like... Pohatu, he's very dumb looking, but I like I liked how dumb looking he was. He seemed fun. Gali, I liked because she was the one girl on the team. Yeah, there's always one girl. Onua was kind of my favorite because he was the gnarliest looking because he was like, he first off, he was the Earth Toa. He was colored black. He had this sort of hunchback thing going on where his head was actually further down oh, on his torso right, he did. than all the other models. His mask looked like fucking Jason's mask from <laughs> Friday the 13th. And he had claws. His whole deal was that he had these big gnarly claws that he would use to dig. And it's I recall, like, the Toas did have sort of, like, prescribed personalities. Tahu was the leader, so he has the leader personality. He also has a really fiery temper. Sometimes, I guess. He does, trust me. <laughs> sure. 
Golly is the water one and the girl, so she's the voice of reason. <laughs> As I recall, Onua was like kind of like the stoic. He wasn't the Kopaka level, like, I'm too cool for you guys, stoic. Oh, right. Kopaka was definitely like the angry, like, second in command guy. Yeah, Kopaka was the angry second in command guy. He was the stoic in the terms of like, he was too cool for everyone else. Onua was genuinely just like a basement goblin who wanted to be left alone. <laughs> They altered his personality a little further down to make him a little more boisterous, but I prefer Basement Goblin Onua, honestly. <laughs> I just prefer this guy who just lives underground, who's got a hunchback, and he doesn't want to talk to anyone, and he just sits there and he digs. That's all he does. He just wants to sit in the dirt and dig. And Onua had a great moment in the Matanui online game, too, because at one point, Liwa gets hit. For some reason, it's always Liwa who gets hit with, like, the infected masks and mind control stuff. Oh, yeah. I guess because he's supposed to be the most immature out of the bunch of them and more likely to take risks. That did happen. But at one point, Liwa gets an infected mask, so he gets mind controlled by the Makuta. And Onua is the one who shows up and fights him in this really cool sequence in the Matanui online game to free him from the infected mask. And it rules. So Liwa was like, yeah, he was like, the immature jokey one. Yep. Yep. He was the toe of air. He hung out in the jungle. He swung on vines. And I guess Fuhatu was like the jokey one, but he was probably the one that was the most like emotionally stable. Honestly, he was the fun jock character. Right. That's part of why I liked him is that he was just, he was just this fairly chill football hooligan. <laughs> he just wanted to play soccer and have a nice time with his little guys. He just wants to kick rocks and hang out with his little guys. <laughs> Okay, so now we're moving on to year two, 2002. Bionicle year one was a big success. So they're like, okay, we got to keep this train going. So they continue the story into year two through comics. There was a non-canon Game Boy Advance game. And then there was a series of flash web animations in the same style as the Matanui online game. And I think Templar actually put these animations together, but they were released through the website. This is also the year that the Maori sent a strongly worded letter to Lego about the use of their language in the toy line, because all of the words I've been using up to this point are Maori. <laughs> you may have noticed that all of those sounded like very similar sorts of things. And the Maori were like, hey, so like... We do actually exist. There's a lot of us. You didn't talk to anyone. So Lego agreed to change certain names. For example, the Tahanga became the Matoran. And then they were allowed to keep others. And they agreed not to use the Maori language for any names for anything going forward. I recall there was this big thing in the finale of the Mata Nui Online game where it was like, and now we have unlocked this lore from long ago and we'll go back to our true name, Matoran, which was real all along and we'll never talk about the other one again. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> also, you got slightly updated minifigs. That didn't happen until 2003. Gotcha. <laughs> okay, so, start of 2002, Makuta's been defeated, but Matanui's still in a coma. And then meanwhile, all these swarms of creatures called Borok start attacking the various villages. They're bugs. They are apparently driven to raise everything to the ground to the point of, quote, reducing mountains to rubble, which is metal. They're basically robots powered by little slug-like things in their heads called Krana. Yerks. Yeah. And the fun thing about Krana is that they have little attachment on them, which means that they can attach to Toa and Tahanga and Matoran and Turaga heads. So they can assimilate Toa and Matoran into the swarm by latching onto their faces. Liwa got hit again, as did his entire village. That sounds right. <laughs> I don't know why this keeps happening to him in particular. So this time the Toa have to collect stuff. It's the second verse, same as the first. This time they have to collect all the Krana. 
uh, and presumably keep them in a special box so they don't assimilate people. And then they descend into the Borok lair and they use the Karana to unlock a chamber full of, quote, Exotoa suits. They are basically Hulkbuster armor. And then they go and punch the Borok queens to death. Not really, they just end up imprisoned in some goop. And then the Toa themselves fall into the goop and they get transformed into the Toa Nova. Which is the new line of toys. Which is the new Toa. Bigger and slightly uglier than the others. Mm, yeah, they were not They were not as good looking. Those masks were not as good. Those masks were not as good. Lewis was good. Everyone else's. Lewa looked all right. Everyone else didn't like it. The armor was cool. If they just put armor on them, that probably would have been fine. Yeah, no, they developed these like shoulder pieces and chest pieces that were just like nice and silver and sort of like made them look like a cohesive like superhero team. But it was also just cool because like armor. So the Titan sets that year, you got the Balrag, which were the Bowrock Queens. There were two of those. They had like extendable heads that would bite. You got the Hulkbuster suits, the Exotua suits, which honestly felt like the cheapest cash grab of the lot to me, <laughs> except for the fact that <laughs> there was also a Boxor, which is one of the Matoran made a little Hulkbuster suit for him. That's pretty good, actually. It's pretty good, actually. The big <laughs> canister sets this year were the Bowrock. They were swarm drones and each were associated with a classical element like the Toa. So, and they had similar names. So there was Tanok, Galak, Palrak, Nuvak, Levak, and Korak. And then you had the Borok Va, which were just some f***ed up little guys. They were in the <laughs> same sort of size box as the Turaga were the previous year. They were supposed to be scouts for the swarms, and they were all named stuff like Tanok Va, Galak Va, stuff like that. And then at the end of the year, you got the Toa Nuva, which were the new and improved Toa with armor. And it's just the same Toa as last year, except now you put Nuva at the end of their name, except nobody did that. They were just Tahu and Gali still. <laughs> Nuva was just used to distinguish the models. They also had uglier masks. Uh, yeah, they had uglier masks. The masks were not good. And then the blind box collectibles that year were the Krana, but the Krana packs also included golden masks, like from the previous year. Buy all our play sets and toys. Buy all our play sets and toys. Weekdays at 4.30. So year three, they actually start to try and do something different in year three, because you'll notice that year two was just the same shit again. There is monsters, you have to collect some stuff, you go underground, you fight a thing. It worked the first time, so let's try it again and see how long we can keep this up. And then they hit year three and they're like, we can't keep this up. This year actually split into two stories, the Borok Kal story and the Mask of Light story. This one you got via comics. There was a non-canon video game, Bionicle the Game. <laughs> there were some more animated flash shorts online. There was the Matanui Online game too, which was not as good as Annie mentioned earlier. And then there was the first direct-to-video animated movie, Bionicle Mask of Light. God, I remember watching that <laughs> and being just how, like, because they had to actually, like, spend money and figure out how to make these, like, how, how do you make all these little mask guys have moving mouths? What do you do with that? It's not as easy as just animating a little mouth on a minifig. This is different. How are we doing this? Oh, it's weird. Yeah, they had to give them hands. They had to give them mouths. And honestly, like the fandom at first was like, ah, what are we looking at? But honestly, the template established during this movie sort of became the fan and template for how characters would look in fan art from this point forward. Interesting. So you take the parts that sort of work and then you just sort of go with that. It was a base assumption from that point out from the fan perspective. If you're drawing fan art of a character, they need a mouth and they need hands. Because, I mean, that's the problem, right? Otherwise, you're just sort of drawing little detailed, like, models of a toy that is mostly meant to be an action figure. Because, like, these guys were humanoid, but they don't really need to look like people if you're just making robot toys. But if you want these robots to kiss, sometimes you got to streamline some things. 
<laughs> this is also the year that Lego started putting out these young reader chapter books, with some of them covering the story of previous years and others covering the story from this year. The animations in the movie are still the primary storytelling vehicle, but in the future, the chapter books would sort of become the main storytelling vehicle for the series. So after the Balragger defeated, six special Bowrock, the Bowrock Kal, are activated, and their goal is to release the Balrag from their prison, basically undo the development from the end of the last season. So the Bowrock Kal proceeds to invade a bunch of the villages and steal the Nuva symbols that give the Toa their elemental powers. No, these weren't a thing before now. I was going to say. These just kind of show up. The, the Toa chase after them. Tahu uses the mask of time, which he has. What? I guess he just has that. Not made clear where he found it. Who in all of these various ancillary materials gave him the mask of time? What Majora's mask is this? <laughs> the entire Borok Kal storyline is just Bionicle spinning its wheels until the movie can come out. Oh boy. So you're telling me that they came out with a toy filler arc? Yeah, this is a toy filler arc. They had to have two canister releases this year, but only one of them got covered by the rock sheet later in the year, which were the villains of the movie. So they had to have another one. So it's just, it's do, let's do the bow rock again. <laughs> the Toa overload the Nuva symbols with power to blow up the bow rock call and the day is saved. End of, end of that arc. And then meanwhile, over in the movie, our favorite little guy, the chronicler, Takua, he finds a strange mask called the Mask of Light. And this mask actually has a prophecy written on the inside of it, actually written in the Matoran alphabet, which is a real alphabet you could look up on the website and write coded messages in. And I had it memorized at one point. Of course you did. The mask has a prophecy written on it about a seventh Toa, the Toa of Light. You gotta have the special extra ranger. You gotta have the special extra ranger. So Takua and Jala, who's his best friend now, they head off to find the boy. And there's a whole thing here where Takua is clearly the herald of the seventh Toa, but he dicks around and makes it look like Jala is the herald, but Jala drags him along anyway. <laughs> It's a whole thing. Why? And the, meanwhile, it turns out Makuta's still around. He's not dead. Well, he is nothing. He can't be killed. He is nothing. Except this time he's a big guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's just a big dragon-like guy. He's a big creepy guy. It turns out nothing is also the exact same thing as a guy. <laughs> and it turns out he's got the he rips parts out of himself which turn out to be these little slug things called krata and he puts them in like snake-like robot bodies and they're called rakshi he calls these his sons and he sends them out to find the mask of light to keep the seventh toa from coming into existence i'm sorry he just made babies he just made babies <laughs> makuta canonically like buds like a fungus like a sponge like a sponge, don't worry about it. Like an evil big sponge guy. He's a big sea sponge. The whole movie happens. We introduce everybody to all the six Toa, but they don't actually have that strong of a role in the movie because the whole thing is about the Toa of Light. And the final confrontation, Jala fucking dies, saving Takua's life. Does he come back? We'll get to that. But Annie, Mackenzie, I, I need you to take my hands. Uh-huh. Be with me in this moment. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. All right. Takua puts on the mask of light and becomes Takanuva, the Toa of Light. No shit. Twelve-year-old Kit lost their fucking shit. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else saw this coming, but I didn't. I mean, okay, okay, context, folks. What you have to understand here is that this was like, this was you. You played this character in the Matanui online game. So that's your anchor point. That's your special little guy. That's kind of you. That's your special little guy. <laughs> Our special little guy became the Toa of Light. <laughs> You were this character. You got to hear all these things. That was your adventure. And then you, by proxy, are now the special boy. <laughs> you are the most special Toa. You get a little golden mask. You are a prophesied boy. 
<laughs> so Takanuva goes off to fight slash merge with Makuta. It's a whole thing. They fall in some goop. <laughs> They open a big door in Makuta's lair. They bring Jala back to life, but the act of bringing Jala back to life like weakens them to the point where Makuta gets crushed by the door. Takanuva's fine, though. Don't worry about it. And then they discover that on the other side of the door is a big underground city called Metro Nui. And one of the comics that follows up this movie makes a big to-do about the fact that, oh, the Toa of Mata Nui were not the first Toa, and that's going to lead into the next the next season the toys released this year the Borok call they're just Borok recolors yeah I do recall that There's, it's the same toys they're just different colors and these ones didn't have elemental powers they had gnarlier powers like gravity and plasma did it take a while for them to actually come out with a Toa of Light figure I feel like I never ended up collecting one of those it's on the list don't worry I'm getting to it okay it's the same as the Borok except Kal on the ends like Tanak Kal Galak Kal stuff like that the other canister released that year was the Rakshi which were the f***ed up snake lizard dudes with slugs in them. But these are different from the Borok slugs. These also had weird non-elemental powers like fragmentation and anger. I believe Jala actually got killed by the Rakshi of fear. So the implication is that like he got hit with the Rakshi powers and then just died of fright like a rabbit. Oh no. These ones sort of had names tied to the various Toa, but not really. So there was like Panrock, Kurok, Lerok, Gurok, Vorok, and Turok. And then you had the Matoran, which were the bigger and better Matoran models that Annie mentioned. At the end of the Borok Cal storyline, they're just bigger Matoran now. It's like the bigger Luke theory, except canon. <laughs> and the ones that were released were Kopeke, Matoro, Hali, Huki, Hafu, and Maku. Some of those you will recognize from the previous list, but there were others in there as well. Hali, I think, was the protagonist of the online game too. Yeah, Hali was the protagonist of online game too. She was Jala's romantic interest in the movie. She just kind of popped up out of nowhere, but honestly, she's kind of cool, so I'm okay with it. I mean, it's a playable girl in a Lego property. That was not something that happened for a very long time. Yep. And then you also got more blind box collectibles. You actually got the Krata, which were the slugs inside of the Rakshi. Gross. You got the Kanohi Nuva, which were the new Toa Nuva masks that were ugly. And then you got the Krana Cow, which were basically the same as the Krana from previous year. The Titan sets released that year. You got Makuta, of course. Makuta up until this point did not have a set. He was a amorphous eldritch being. And then they decided, let's just make him a big guy. And then there was a Takanuva set, and that could be combined with Makuta, the same as what happened in the movie. And also Takanuva came with a motorcycle. That's right! He came with a super dope motorcycle! So he didn't come in a canister set, he came in a box because he had a motorcycle in there with him. Right! And then you had Jala and one of the birds that the air villagers used to fly around called a gucko. And then you had Takua and his pet crab, Puku. Puku. Takua has a pet crab, don't worry about it. No, no, that's right, that's right. It was in the Mononui online game. He was like a little like vehicular means of conveyance in the underground village area. And like, yeah, you could use Puku to fast travel. It was just like, hey, here's a little buddy. This little guy has an even littler friend. This little guy has an even littler friend that he can ride around. And yeah, Puku was this crab that like once, if you didn't want to go through the whole tunnel maze to get to Onukoro, you could just get on Puku's back and Puku would take you to Onukoro. And it was dope. Puku is the best. He was a good little bi. Puku is in the movie and rules. <laughs> Excellent. Honestly, it's still just like wild how much like stuff they put in the movie that was specifically there. Like it was pretty much just essentially using narrative assets they already had. But it was weird to feel like almost catered to as someone who played this like relatively obscure Flash game on a website that didn't quite work on my computer because my family computer was bad at the time. <laughs> There was a lot of us playing this at the school library because they were the only good internet connection. Ah, that makes sense. 
So for year four, there were no Flash animations this year. So the story was delivered largely by the Young Readers books, the comics, and then there was another direct-to-video movie, Bionicle 2 Legends of Metro Nui, and this was a flashback season. Yeah, this was where I fell out. So the rest of this I have vague ideas of, but it's all new to me. The Chiraga, the, the village leaders from the uh, the previous seasons, they revealed that they actually used to be the Toa Metro, the That's Toa right. of Metro Nui. Yeah, so 1,000 years before all of our previous shit, all the Matoran are living in Metro Nui, this big underground city which exists in the middle of a sea of goop. There's a lot of goop! It's called Protodermis. It actually has a pretty big plot significance, but I'm gonna just going to keep calling it goop because it's goop. No, I mean, people just keep falling into goop. People keep living in cities near goop. There's a lot of goop in Bionicle. There's a surprising amount of goop in Bionicle. So Metro Nui is ruled by Turaga Duma and is protected by a single Toa, Toa Likon, until one day Likon drops off six Toa stones with six random ass Matoran and then promptly disappears. And these Matoran head to a shrine called the Suva. They drop off their Toa stones. There's a big flashy light and they're transformed into the Toa Metro. It should probably uh, be they... noted at this point just by physical scale. Like you're talking about something that's maybe like as tall as your thumb and then it becomes like it gets big, like like a little regular Matoran guy maybe comes up to like the the knee or the thigh of, of a full Bionicle figure. Yeah, it cannot be overstated the size difference between these two groups. It is like some <laughs> normal sized dudes and a bunch of little guys. That's why we keep calling them little guys. They're literally <laughs> little guys. The Toa Metro then find out the Makuta has been impersonating Turaga Duma and intends to shove all the Matoran into the city into these little spheres and then wipe their memories and then put Matanui to sleep, and then wake the Matoran up again, and then rule over them as their god. He really just wants to be told he's doing a good job. He really does. And he gets to, like, step three of that plan before the Toas manage to stop him. So, like, the Matoran are in the spheres, their memories are wiped, Matanui is asleep, Makuta doesn't get to be god, so they manage to stop that part of the plan, at least. Also, Toa Likan got turned into a Turaga when he gave his power to the new Toa, and then he dies in a heroic sacrifice. And there's actually a cool moment where Vakama picks up Toa Likan's like Turaga Likan's mask and like holds onto it after he dies. And then when they bring the Matoran to Matanui, one of the Matoran ends up having a broken mask. And so Vakama gives oh. Toa Likan's mask to this little Matoran and it's Jala. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> It's cute! Anyway, the Toa head out to find a new home for the Matoran, and then they eventually find the island of Matanui. Because the city at this point is f***ing unlivable. It's been eaten by vines, it's been blown up by Makuta, stuff's going wrong. So... <laughs> The toys released this year were the Toa Metru, which were taller than the previous Toa and had the additional feature of bendable knees and elbows, which was actually a big deal. Ooh. Ooh. These were the Toa versions of our previous Turago, so it's Vakama, Nokama, Wenua, Oniwa, Mato, and Nuju again. There were some Matoran sets released this year that there was some plot relevance in the comics and the books, but there wasn't really in the movie. So these characters were Nuri, Visala, Tahuti, Akmu, Orkam, and Eri. Akmu actually ends up becoming a villain in the Matanui online game later on. He's like a traitor Matoran. He's the one who ends up supplying poison coli balls to Pokoro. That's what? like the local chapter storyline for that game. And then you also had the Vaki, which were the bug cops of Metro Nui. <laughs> bug cops? They're just these big bug cops that shoot discs from their mouths. They're the law enforcers who end up being Vakuta's minions. No! The cops? The cops are bad? The cops end up being the bad guy villains? What? Yeah. <laughs> Bionicle says ACAB. 
So these were Nurok, Bordok, Vorzok, Zadok, Rorzak, and Kirok. And then the Titan sets this year. First off was Toalikon and Kikanalo. Toalikon did not have a mount or anything. Kikanalo were just a random herd animal in Metro Nui, but they needed to package something in with Toalikon to justify him being a Titan set instead of a canister. And then there were two Dark Hunters, which were the secondary villains of the season, Kreka and Nidiki. I believe Nidiki used to be a Toa and then got like mutated for reasons. And then the blind box collectibles this year were called Kanoka discs. The lore behind these is that they're basically these discs that you can make into masks. Vakama is actually a mask maker when he's a Matoran, and he at one point makes the mask of time and then a thousand years later passes it off to Tahu off screen, I guess. I guess just like like while everybody else is doing something, he's like, hey, Tahu, come here. Hey, here, take this. Do you want to tell me what this is? No. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. You can control time and space with this. It's fine. I trust you entirely with this power. <laughs> Despite the fact that you, Tahu, as a character, have made nothing but bad decisions for the last three years. <laughs> there was also a sweepstakes contest with the Kanoka discs where like each one had a little unique code on it. You could punch it in on the website and see if you won stuff. How much did you try to win stuff? Not a whole lot. Each set, like each canister set, came with like a disc launcher and a Kanoka disc. So I punched those in because I was like, whatever, let's see what happens. But my parents raised me right. I knew sweepstakes were bullshit. Fair enough. So year five, 2005, is Bionicle's year of body horror. What? Yeah. <laughs> so story this year is delivered via the Young Readers books, the comics, a few online animations, but not a whole bunch. There was another non-canon Game Boy Advance game. And there was a third direct-to-video movie, Bionicle 3 Web of Shadows. So I have to imagine, like, judging by, like, the amount of this, that, and the other that you're listing here in terms of how people got story, like, the online community was pretty much integral for, like, collating any of this shit. Pretty much, yeah. There were two big forums at the time. There was one big forum and one mid-sized forum. The big forum was called BZ Power, which was actually a merge of two forums called Bionicle Zone and Kanohi Power, which merged. That was the big forum. Uh, it was notable because the narrative director of Bionicle, Greg Farshti, was on that forum. And also it was run by like a 40-year-old Republican guy who did not want you talking about gay people on his forum for kids. I remember you mentioning that in our Mary Sue's episode. Yes. <laughs> and then the other one was called, I believe, Mask of Lore, which was a little more chill of environment. Having found the island of Matanui, the Toa Metru head back to the city to pick up all those little guys in the spheres. Only when they get back, it turns out the city's been overrun by spiders. Mmm. Lego spiders. All oh, technic spiders. All. Oh, all oh, such legs on them. Yeah, only four legs, but Wait, you know, spiders. Then they're not spiders. Well, according to this, they're spiders. <laughs> in the Bionicle universe, spiders have four legs, almost universally. And then they're just creepy bug guys. And then they're just creepy bug guys. The Toa Metro get captured by the spiders, and then they're mutated by spider venom into the Toa Hordika, eh? which are like these gnarly werewolf-looking Toa. Okay, I need to, I need to look up a picture of this. So they are rescued by the Rahaga, who are some f***ed up little guys who used to be Toa. They look like Turaga with Rakshi heads, basically. They also got hit with the spider venom and mutated. And the whole gang sets out in search of this creature hiding somewhere in the city named Kitongu, who should be able to cure them of, you know, the spider mutation. And meanwhile, Vakama, the Toa of Fire, he doesn't Edmund. <laughs> he joins up with the spiders. <laughs> well, how good was the robot Turkish delight? <laughs> Accounts vary. They find Kitongu. He teams up with the remaining Toa to fight Sidorak, who's the king of the spiders, only for his fiance Rudaka to pop as the real fat. Like, Sidorak goes down like a bitch. Fiance? And then Rudaka pops. Beyonce, <laughs> and Beyonce pops up. 
Radaka pops up to turn out to be the real threat of the whole season. The robots get married? Yeah, apparently. The robots get engaged? The robots getting, like she specifically refers, <laughs> when she hands over the mutated Tohordika to Sidorak, she says an engagement present. They, they, I'm sorry. I don't know why this is the thing that I'm getting hung up over, but I, I it's somehow like it's not even that they get married. It's weird that they get engaged. Hold on. It gets worse. Okay. Because Rudaka <laughs> is the snow queen to uh, Vakama's Edmund. After Rudaka is defeated, the Toa are cured. Vakama's not evil anymore. Don't worry about it. And then the Toa take the Matoran spheres to Matanui, while the Rahaga stay behind with Kitangu and Turagaduma, the real one, not the one that Makuta was pretending to be. And they're going to fix up the city while everybody's gone, I guess. Okay. So the toys released this year were the Toa Hardika, which were the monster Toa, which it's just Vakama, Nokama, Wanua, Oniwa, Mato, and Nuju again. You also get the other canister release of the year, which was the spiders, the Votorak, Bagarak, Unarak, Roparak, Kilarak, and Sukarak. Those ones didn't specifically have elemental powers, but they had elemental resistances if that makes sense. And then the Rahaga are the little box sets for that year. And these are basically, again, Turaga with Rakshi heads. So you had Gaki, Pooks, Koalas, Norik, Bamonga, and Iruini. You had the special edition Toahaga canister sets. These were two of the Toa that were then transformed into Rahaga. So this was Iruini and Norik. And then the Titan sets for this year were Kitangu, the guy with the special uh, non-mutating powers, Sidorak, who was the king of the spiders, and then Rudaka, queen of the spiders. She was Bionicle's first humanoid female villain because the Barag were female, but she's like the first one with like, you know, lines. And her design goes to astonishing lengths to give her high heels and titty. I mean, of course. Rudaka. Let me just look at a picture of this. Uh-huh. Okay, so those are like chest pieces kind of things. Yeah. I see fan art here that turns those into titties real quick. Yeah, her movie design also had titty. Ha. Huh, I see that. Ha. Huh. Ha. Huh. Ha. Huh. Ha. <laughs> huh. Titty. Oh, yeah. there's, there's someone who really... Oh, hi, art station. <laughs> Hello. You really wanted to make them titty. Oh, people horny for this one, huh? Yeah, people got real horny for Rudaka. It was upsetting. I see that. I see that now. Yeah, mm-hmm. wow. Mm, uh-huh, uh-huh. Google Images. Wow, they, they, they thirsty for this robot titty. Yeah, we're going to move on now. Okay. <laughs> I don't like talking about Rudaka too much. <laughs> it's a dark chapter. <laughs> All right, so we're on to year six. The marketing goes really edgy for this one for reasons nobody fully understood. Like there was a graffiti theme with all of the like visual design and like, uh, uh, I don't know. The story was delivered via books this year, comics. There was a non-canon Voya Nui online game and then a non-canon video game, Bionicle Heroes. No more movies for a couple of years. It's just books and comics and some non-canon stuff. So back in modern day, for a certain value of modern, I guess, the, the timeline of 2001 to 2003, the Toa and the Matoran, they arrive at Metro Nui and they meet back up with Turaga Duma. Yes, it's been a thousand years. He's fine. Don't worry about it. Robots. Robots. These things have like transformer level lifespans, near as I can tell. And Duma tells the Toa that not only is Matanui still in a coma, Matanui is dying. So they need to go off and find the Mask of Life to save him. Uh, and the Mask of Life is supposedly on an island called Voya Nui. Voya Nui used to be part of an underground continent like Metro Nui, but when Matanui fell asleep, part of the continent broke off and was pushed up to the surface, becoming an island. So meanwhile on Voya Nui, a whole bunch of villains calling themselves Piraka. They are pretending to be Toa, and they enslave the island's Matoran. These were actually the first canister release of the year, so like that may explain the edgy marketing. It's like, ooh, these are bad guys, but like this is not the first time the first canister release of the year was bad guys, so I, I don't 
Anyway, the Paraka are not good characters. Oh yeah, they have like weird fish heads. I remember these guys. This is also marks the point where the visual design of the Bionicle set starts to get... There's a lot of kibble on them from here on out. Kibble? You know when on Transformers set, there's just like little bits hanging off the set that don't seem to serve any particular purpose? Uh... No, but go on. Yeah, well, there's also a lot of, there's also just a, like a lot of little extra bits and a lot of like extra greebling on the sets to like make them more visually complex. They do have a lot but of spikes just, and stuff, yeah. The design ends up being very busy and kind of loses the visual clarity of the earlier sets. Also, they all have guns. They have guns. Ugh. Yeah, it's wild to me that like they just straight up gave the Paraka guns. They're sphere launchers technically, but they're guns because like 2001 Bionicle like made a big deal about the fact that these were not weapons. These were tools to the point where like when they wanted to have a fight between Onua and possessed Liwa, they couldn't actually show them hitting each other. So the entire fight sequence is just like a dark screen with these little flashes of the sparks as the weapons hit each other and like impressions more than an actual fight scene. And then you get to 2006 and the Paraka just a fucking guns, guys. And I mean, like, look, Mackenzie will tell you, like, when it comes to toy, parents will be much more palatable to, like, bows and arrows than they will a toy gun anywhere. Yeah, they absolutely will. You can sell through a ton of toy bows and arrows, and meanwhile, the gun will sit on the shelf for, like, a year. And now that'll vary depending on your region and your store and what your audience is. But at very least, yeah. very least, at the Puget Sound area, guns are bad. Though actually one of my favorite things is at the toy store right now we have a crossbow. That's different. But then the moment that I mention it's a crossbow, it's almost always like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> really? Same stopping power. Like, it's the exact same kind of thing. But no, this one doesn't have a bullet, so it's fine. It's fine. Anyway, the Toa Nuva, our beloved heroes from years one to three, they show up to stop the Paraka and they fucking lose. There's actually a scene where one of the Paraka like breaks one of Liwa's swords over his knee. Rude. He loves that sword. <laughs> he loves those swords. So the Toa Nuva lose and they end up going somewhere else. Don't worry about it. We won't cover this for a couple of more years. Meanwhile, some of the Matoran from Metru Nui head out to help. These are some of the characters that we've already met. And they end up traveling through a realm called Karzani, which is literally Matoran hell. I'm not kidding. What? Why do they go to hell? Why do they go to hell? They go to hell. Everybody <laughs> should go to hell now and again. They go to hell. They find some Toa canisters that will take them to Voya Nui. So they climb in. And when then when they arrive, the canisters are struck by lightning and the Matoran are turned into Toa themselves. What? These are our buddies like Jala and Holly, and they are now Toa. So that's kind of cool. Huh. And these are called the Toa Inika, who end up racing the Piraka to get to the chamber where the Mask of Life is held. Only they find out that the seventh Piraka, Vizon, got there first. Where did Vizon come from? It's complicated. There's the seventh one? Don't worry about it. <laughs> they defeat Vizon and one of the Toa Inika, Matoro, who we've known for years. He was like the only guy who could translate like Nuju's whistle click language that he used uh -huh. back in year one. We've known Matoro for a while. He's a good boy. Matoro finds out that the Mask of Life wants him as a guardian, which is kind of cool. But before they can grab the Mask of Life, it falls in the water. <laughs> and none of them can swim, clearly. Oh, God. Yeah, no, really. It falls in the water. It falls in the ocean. And the Toy and Ika realize that to retrieve the mask, they'll have to travel down to, quote, unquote, the pit. 
The pit. The pit. They gotta go down to the Marianas Trench to get the fucking mask that fell in the water. Why? They just do. They wanted a water season, so the mask fell in the water. I see. The toy releases this year, we have the Paraka. Paraka actually apparently means assassin or thief in the Matoran language. I feel like it should be one or the other because those are two very different terms. Those do have two very different objectives. Yeah, those two have very different objectives. Thief is like, oh, he'll take your stuff. Assassin is like, you gotta get away from this guy. <laughs> but anyway, you had Radak, Hakan, Vizok, Zaktan, Avak, and Thok. You had the Matoran in the Voyanui resistance team who they were trying to fight the Piraka as best they could. So they were Velika, Kazi, Piruk, Garan, Balta, and Dalu. And then you had the Toa Inika, who were these former Matoran from Matanui. We've all met these guys before. We've got attachments to them. So we had Jala, Hali, Nuparo, Huki, Hongkongo, and Matoro. And then the Titan sets for this year. We have Brutaka, who is a former member of something called the Order of Matanui. Here's the deal with the Order of Matanui. Supposedly they're this big good guy organization that works in secret. Functionally, what they're for is that Lego's like, hey, you got to put out a certain number of Titan sets every year. And if they couldn't figure out what a Titan set's narrative role was, they said he was a member of the Order of Matanui. Okay, so he was a special extra cool guy who did not interfere in the plot because of Robot Prime Directive. Basically. Or interfere with the plot, but in ambiguous, weird ways. Sure. So you had Brutaka, who was a former member of the Order. You had Axon, who was a current member of the Order. You had Umbra, which was the creature guarding the Mask of Life. And then you had Vizon, the seventh Paraka, and a spider called Fenrak. Fenrak. Who, again, had four legs. I don't think Vizon actually had Fenrak as a pet. I think Fenrak was technically associated with another character, but whatever. They needed to put something else in with Vizon to justify him being a box and not a canister. Yeah, why not? You will note as we go on, the number of Titan sets just gets larger and larger with every successive year. I think Lego figured out that like that was where the money was. You mean the big robots? The big ones, yeah. Mm -hmm. So we go on to year seven, the underwater season. The trailer for this year's story featured a song by a band that sounded like Evanescence, but wasn't. Okay. <laughs> it had like a horror trailer where like the mask of life lands on the seafloor and like a seafaring Matoran picks it up and then he gets chased by monsters and this Evanescence ass song is playing over top of the whole thing. Was it within temptation? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but the story this year, it was delivered via books, via the comics, and then there was a new website called BionicleStory.com, which featured the first year a podcast and then from there on out just prose stories. A podcast? Golly had a blog. Golly had... Sorry, sorry. Golly with a blog? Golly had a blog. So the Toei Nika, our buddies who used to be Matoran... What did she blog about? No, go back! (laughs) (laughs) She blogs about the journey to Voyanui and the fact that they got their ass kicked by the Piraka and then what they ended up doing after that. It's a travelogue? It's a travelogue. Where is she updating this blog from? Bagali has a travel blog. Don't worry about it. I want to know what Gali's Insta feed is like. <laughs> it's mostly pictures of fish. <laughs> <laughs> so the Toyika head down to the ocean. They got to find the Mask of Life. They end up going down this big stone tunnel down into the water called the Cord because they can't breathe underwater naturally. But there's this, apparently this tunnel down to where the Mask of Life is. Uh, and meanwhile, the mask lands near a bunch of former warlords turned squid monsters, the Baraki. They are trapped in, quote unquote, the pit. That's apparently their prison. And then they find out about the mask of life being down here and they decide to go looking for it. And then meanwhile, it turns out there's a whole Matoran village down here called Ma Renui. And one of the Matoran who lives there, he finds the mask of life. 
And the mask starts acting up and making sea monsters, which includes turning the Toa Nika into water-breathing aquatic Toa, who become the Toa Maori. And it also turns one of the, that Matoran who found it into its new guardian, Hydraxon. And then the Toa, the Baraki, and Hydraxon proceed to play hot potato with the Mask of Life for like the whole year. Matoro in particular gets separated from the rest of the team and ends up getting led around by the nose by Makuta, who's still around and evil again, I guess. <laughs> so like, was the water Toa like the special one here because she actually knew how to fucking swim? No, because she didn't have the Mask of Underwater Breathing. Only Golly has that. Wait. Hold on. You're telling me none of the water Toa since the first one have known how to swim. None of the water Toa since the first one have been able to breathe underwater. Why not? <laughs> I mean, I, sure, the mask of water breathing, but like, it seems like that should probably be part and parcel of being the water elemental Toa. Don't worry about it. Mm, I feel like I'm going to worry about it. Makuta is still around and Makuta's evil again, I guess. And then he ends up leading Matoa around by the nose for like the whole year while everyone else plays hot potato with the Mask of Life. And then the Toa find out that for Mata Nui to be revived, they need to actually destroy the stone cord that's connecting Mari Nui to Voya Nui, which will cause Voya Nui to sink back to its original location and destroy Mari Nui in the process. Why this is essential to Mata Nui waking up is unclear, but by golly, they do it. And then as the island begins to sink, Matoro finally gets his hands on the Mask of Life, only to find out that oh no, Matanui's dead. So he puts the mask on, which brings Matanui back to life, but also kills Matoro. What? And as like a last way to save his friends, he teleports them back to Metronui. <laughs> and then they get back to Metronui and everyone's like, what the fuck is going on? And they're like, oh no, Matoro's dead. <laughs> what? What? Why does putting on the, the mask kill, huh? He gives up his life force to bring back Matanui, I guess. Why does his life force bring back Matanui? Unclear. He's a little guy. Listen, the explanations for these are going to get more and more confusing as time goes on. We are on year eight now. We're, this is year seven of, a, of like a 10 year storyline. This thing's starting to slowly get crushed to death under its own weight. Oh boy. So the toys released for 2007. You got the Toamari, which are Bionicle Body Horror Take Two. They can breathe underwater, but not in atmosphere anymore. And it's Jala, Holly, Nuparo, Huki, Kongo, and Matoro again. You get the Baraki, who are these like alliance of warlords who were imprisoned in this underwater pit. And then the mutagens in the water made them into sea monsters. So you've got Katakadox, Kalma, Karapar, Mantax, Elec, and Prydak. You got some Matoran who live in the underwater village. There's just two of these this year, Defilak and Dakar, because they were released alongside these critters called the Hydruka, which were also like in a box the same size. These were like tame monsters they used to harvest airweed, which is the stuff they used to like breathe. And there was Thulox and Morak. And then the, the Titan releases this year, we have one, two, three, four, five, six of these. That's a lot of big ticket items. A lot of big ticket items. The story involvement of these Titans gets looser and looser as time goes on. So you have Gadunka, which was a sea monster that was enlarged by the Mask of Life. That's its only story involvement. You have Hydraxon, who is the guardian of the mask, the mask made out of a little Matoran dude. You have Maxilos and Spinax, which were a prison guard and a hunting hound, respectively, of the pit. You have Nocturne, who is another prisoner of the pit, but not a Baraki, and later becomes a lieutenant to Elek. You have Lesovic, who's another Toa, who's just kind of here. He doesn't really have much story impact, to be honest. And then you have Karzani, who's the literal devil, who's also just kind of here. The literal devil. They made a set that's the devil. And this is different from when they went to literal hell. No, Karzani, the character rules Karzani the realm. Okay. Okay. The devil followed them out of hell. Sure. Okay. 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 <laughs> and once he gets there, he's just kind of there. He's just hanging out. 
He's having a nice vacation from hell. Like I said, the whole the whole season is just them hanging out. He's hanging out. He's hanging out with his family, having himself a party. The whole season is just them playing hot potato with this fucking mask and getting more and more convoluted. Who has it? Who thinks they have it? How they're trying to try and get it? And it's just a mess. We move on to year eight, two thousand and eight. This is around the time where I started to lose track of what the fuck was going on. This is also where the wiki starts to fall apart. So that's no help. So my notes get very vague from here on out. The story this year was delivered via the books, the comics, and more serials posted on BionicleStory.com. I think this is the year of Takanuva's blog instead of Golly's blog, which is less cute and has less pictures of fish. But hey, the Toanuva are back. You remember those guys, right? The last time we saw them, they were getting they were getting whooped. <laughs> Where have they been again? They were apparently traveling to this region called Cardanuit for a mission they have. Okay. So Matanui was stopped from dying. He's not dying anymore, but he's also not like back. He's not revived yet. And this is where we find out that the Makuta we've been dealing with so far is apparently just one member of something called the Brotherhood of Makuta. So when they say, oh, Makuta was Matanui's brother, that's what they really meant in retcon. What? Yep. So this Makuta, the Makuta we've been dealing with so far, his name is Teradax. The fandom immediately started calling him Terry. Okay. So the Mask of Life lands in this region called Cardanui. Once again, in a big underground region. And the mask actually builds itself a body and becomes the Toa Ignika, not to be confused with the Toa Inika. There's a G in there. Okay. Don't worry about it. Meanwhile, the Toa Nuva set out on this mission to wake Mata Nui out of his coma. They split into two teams to do it with, of course, new models. So you have the Toa Fantoka and the Toa Mystica. We find out that Mata Nui, the spirit, is actually a fucking gigantic continent-sized space robot. And all the cities like Metru Nui and Karda Nui are actually inside the robot's body. Mata Nui, the island, was right over the robot's face. So everyone's been on a big robot this whole time. Everyone's been on or in a big <laughs> robot this whole time. When when Voya Nui broke off from that underground continent, it broke out of Matanui's chest cavity and burst up to the surface. So he needed the continent back on him because that's part of his body? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So the Toa Ignika... Not the Toitnika, different. He realizes he has to sacrifice his life to wake Matanui. A whole bunch of miscellaneous stuff happens, including, like, some vehicles that were introduced for arbitrary reasons, because Lego was like, we want to do vehicles this year. And then when they wake up Matanui, they find out that Terry has actually taken over the robot and cast Matanui's spirit out of the robot. So Terry is now God. Terry. Terry's now God inside of a giant continent-sized robot that everyone lives inside. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's the end of that storyline for the year. There's a lot of having to kill yourself to wake up God in this, huh? Yeah, there is. And God keeps not waking up. And God keeps not waking up. I think you gotta take a hint. So the toys released this year. The Toa were split up into two canister releases. The first canister release was the Fantoka, and that included three Toa, Kopaka, Liwa, and Pohatu, and three of the other members of the Brotherhood of Makuta, Antros, Vampra, and Kirox. And then the second canister release were the Toa Mystica, Gali, Patahu, and Onua, and then three other members of the Brotherhood of Makuta, Krika, Gorast, and Batil. The Matoran little box sets this year were Tanma, Solek, Photok, Radiac, Gavla, and Kirop. The Titan sets, Toa Ignika got his own set. Takanuva went on his own little adventure that I lost track of, and I was not reading his blog, but he got a new set. <laughs> his blog. Mutran and Vikan, another Makuta, and uh, Shadow Matoran. Shadow Matoran were like... 
corrupted Matoran that the Makuta were using as like slaves in Cardanui. There was another Makuta named Icarax. He got his own Titan set. There was a Shadow Matoran named Voltraz and his vehicle, a Sky Fighter. And then there was a member of the Order of Matanui, Mazeka, who was like a little Matoran spy dude. And he had a vehicle called a Swamp Strider. Huh. And then there was also like a whole a line of three vehicles that existed for reasons. Apparently they were key to waking up Matanui. They were motorcycles. They were just flying motorcycles that a bunch of the characters drove around. Don't worry about it. There sure are a lot of faded keys to waking up Matanui. Like this just keeps getting more and more complicated. It does. Yeah. <laughs> so we're on to year nine. You think at some point the storyline would just wake up Matanui and then just have some other threat. Funny story. <laughs> So, the spirit of Matanui has been cast out of the giant robot body of Matanui. Sure. It's put into the Ignika, the Mask of Life, which is cast down into space. And it lands on another planet. Uh, and here we are at year nine, a soft reboot for the series, while somehow also <laughs> continuing the storyline from the previous eight years. Why? No. Mm, uh, okay. So this story was delivered via books, comics, more serials on BionicleStory.com. And there was a new direct-to-video movie, Bionicle the Legend Reborn, starring Michael f***ing Dorn as the voice of Matanui. Who? Michael Dorn. Michael Dorn? Worf. Michael- Worf? They got Worf to be Matanui. <laughs> what? I'm so- I don't- I'm so- uh, Okay. <laughs> I feel like I've just crosswired Annie by accident here. I confused her and appalled her, and then I dangled Michael Dorn in front of her. You really did. This is upsetting. <laughs> so, the spirit of Matanui, trapped inside the Mask of Life, gets yeeted off world and lands on another nearby planet, Bara Magna, which is this barren world with very little water. Once again, we have six tribes, each tied to an element. The elements this time are rock, fire, jungle, water, ice, and sand. Okay. But this time the villagers are called Agori, not Matoran. All disputes between villagers are usually settled in these arena battles between warriors called Glatorian. Glatorian are basically Toa, but they're gladiators instead of heroes, I guess. And then the arena fights are usually dominated by this tribe called the Skrull, who use these fights to take whatever they want from the other tribes. So Matanui crash lands, makes himself a body voiced by Michael Thorne, goes into the arena and unites the tribes against the Skrull. He pulls like a whole Spartacus. And then once they defeat the Skrull, all the villages come together and they put their maps together and they find out that, oh, all these villages look like they form a giant robot body, exactly like the one Matanui got yeeted out of. Lord have mercy. Yeah, the backstory of this one is that apparently the beings that created the giant Matanui robot tried to create a prototype robot first, but that one was unstable, so it exploded. Oh my god, of course there's a god above god. There are multiple gods above god. Lord have mercy. So the toys released this year were the Agori. These were villagers like the Matoran, one from each tribe. So you had Atticus, no really, Ranu, Tardark, Tardark Barracks, Medicine, Zesk. You had the Glatorian, who were the Toa stand-ins, one from each tribe, including the Skrull. You had Skrull, Malum, Gresh, Terex, Strak, and Vorox. And then you had the Glatorian legends, who were like the heroic previous gladiators that they had, as opposed to like the younger, more up-and-coming ones. So these were Stronius, Acker, Vastus, Kina, Gelu, and Matanui, of course. And the Titan sets for this year, you had Pharaoh and Skirmix, which were like, Pharaoh was a bone hunter, which I guess is some kind of desert nomad. And Skirmix was his steed. They were minor villains, as I recall. You had Tuma, who was the leader of the Skrull. And then you had Toa Matanui, who was distinct from Glatorian Legends Matanui. They have different serial numbers. I can't tell any other difference between the models other than that. <laughs> and then there was some random-ass vehicles. 
Now, this was obviously intended to like revitalize the series. It did not. So year 10 is the cancellation year. We're here to wrap this shit up. So year 10, 2010, it turns out Barra Magna, the, the planet that Matanui landed on and became a gladiator on, was once part of a larger world called Spherus Magna. And we will not get into the whole backstory of that shit. That's the whole other episode if I'm going to explain the deep lore of Bionicle. But Barra Magna has two moons, Aqua Magna and Bota Magna. And for the record, the location of the giant Matanui robot was on Aqua Magna. It crashed there when Terry put Matanui into a coma that first time around a thousand years ago. So Matanui's just been lying in the ocean. Matanui puts together the second giant robot, and he starts trying to reunite the three shattered worlds. Why he thinks this is a good idea, I don't actually remember. I'm not sure it was ever fully explained, but... This is interrupted when Terry shows up inside the giant Matanui robot. Terry lands on Barra Magna and starts a kaiju fight with Matanui. Okay. Meanwhile, it turns out all our favorite characters from previous years have been operating a resistance movement from inside Terry's giant robot body, and they pop out to help defeat Terry. Okay, that's actually kind of dope. That is kind of dope. Terry, during the fight, a whole bunch of other stuff happens with pieces of golden armor for Tahu, but that doesn't really matter. The point is, Terry, at the end of this, he gets hit on the head by a piece of Aqua Magna, killing him instantly. And Matanui then... What? <laughs> he just gets hit with a rock? <laughs> what? They hit him with a rock and then he dies. What? We're just f***ing flashing back to ancient Greece yeah, here. How then, did hitting him with a rock work when nothing else did? To, to be fair, uh, that was a, pe- a piece of rock the size of a moon. Oh, great. So but it was a t- big rock. It was a big f***ing rock. They just needed a big enough rock. Thanks, Killer Croc. <laughs> so Matanui reunites the shattered pieces of Spherus Magna, creates a world for the Matoran and the Agori, and everyone to live in. He lives just long enough to ensure society can function without him, and then he f***ing dies. They spent all that time trying to wake up God. And that god went to another planet, became a gladiator, climbed into a giant robot, smacked a bunch of planets together, and died. I, you know, I've never read Planet Hulk, but is this the plot of Planet Hulk? Kind of? <laughs> There's some story wrap-up that continues into 2011. Nothing really of note occurs, except that, like, the story serves to kill off any of the remaining bad guys that, like, weren't marked <laughs> by Makuta during his rise to power. So, like, Karzani gets taken care of and a bunch of other characters. It's like a whole murder mystery plot. So Makuta is dead now, yes? They're all dead now. Okay. Yeah. All the bad guys are dead. Don't worry about it. Okay. The toys released this year was a line called Bionicle Stars, which was basically a victory lap. It was remakes of previous models with some design updates. So Tahu got a new model. Gresh got a new model. Takanuva got a new model. There was another Scrawl. There was another Piraka. And there was another Rakshi. All right. And then that's the end of the original Bionicle run. But I have a note here, just quick here on the reboot attempt, because in 2015, Lego decides they want to bring Bionicle back as a branch. They'll bring it back in 2015 with a full reboot. Nothing really interesting about it, except that like almost all the Maori words were stripped out. To the point where the word Toa wasn't even used that often. Uh, Guardian and Ma- really? Master and Uniter were used more often than Toa. Also, Liwa's element was changed from air to jungle. Jungle's not an element. Jungle's not an element. <laughs> I'm pretty sure jungle's not an element. I realize that ice and stone were not strictly speaking classical elements, but jungle's definitely not a classical element. No, I don't think it is. Ugh. Anyway, there was a Netflix cartoon that ran for two seasons and some new sets, but it was canceled in 2016, and there's not really been any bionicle development since. 
Ha. So my conclusion, you can sort of see Bionicle trying to grow up with its audience over the years rather than just like end it at like year three or four and recycle it into a younger audience. They tried to keep the same audience over the decade. And it did that by like getting darker, getting more complicated, making the, the designs more complicated and like edgy looking. But as it was doing this, it sort of lost something that it couldn't get back, no matter how hard it tried. And you could see it trying, especially with the soft reboot in 2009. Bionicle's main fantasy from year one was one of mystery and wonder. Matanui was a world that could be survived, but not mastered. It could be explored, but never fully understood. And that's what made it feel cool. That's what made the Matanui online game feel cool, is you were just a little guy. Therefore, when the story sort of became this relentless onslaught of big revelations and backstories for things that didn't need backstory, that sort of killed that fantasy like completely dead and also the fact that this is a toy line and the fact that there's this pressure to add more and more characters every year and for each wave of characters to be cooler and more important than the last the story eventually just got crushed to death under the weight of its own lore makuta in particular suffers the worst for all that he is the main villain throughout the whole thing he starts as this like eldritch abomination this personification of death and darkness and by the end he's fucking terry in a giant robot <laughs> He was always going to end up in a giant robot, like, just thinking about it, like, just in the way of how toy line series have to go. The, wor the worst thing Bionicle had going for it was that it was a toy line. The fact that it was a toy line is what killed everything special about it, really. But on to my main point, the fact of this episode. Yeah, you have, <laughs> like, you really need to come back around to that one. Yeah, okay, we're circling around, we're circling back. So, Bionicle's fandom, as you can probably tell, it was relatively large and dedicated, but after year one, it was mostly online. Mm -hmm. Bionicle never really took over whole classrooms the way Pokemon did. If you liked Bionicle, you knew maybe like one or two other kids in real life who also liked Bionicle. Also, I recently checked in on some old friends from Bionicle fandom, and it turns out we're all queer. So many of us ended up trans in particular, it's sort of become a running joke that you can lure a trans date by shaking a Bionicle canister like a bag of cat treats. <laughs> Every dedicated Bionicle fan knows, like, so much stuff that they never get to talk about. So if you're on a date with someone who was into Bionicle and you ask them about it, you are guaranteed a memorable evening. Like, that's the conversation for the whole night. And if you listen politely and actually engage with what they're talking about, you will get laid if getting laid is what either of you are into. And this data comes from personal experience talking <laughs> to people like... Uh, How often have Bonkles got you laid? Uh, never. I'm asexual, remember? Right. It's from, let's say, cultural osmosis. Okay. I know this. Okay. So Bonkles. So yeah, that's my Bonkles thesis. Thank you for coming to your Bonkle Talk. Thank you for listening to NPR's Bonkle Talk. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not sure I regret, like, slowly getting out of Bionicles. That got weird. <laughs> yeah, I can't say that I particularly enjoyed, like, easily, like, 60% of this, possibly 70. 2001 is still my favorite year. 2002, eh. 2003 I liked because that was the first movie release and we had that moment with our special boy, Tuckanuva. Past that point, it just kept going and going and going. And it was one of those things where, like, it's very good at creating an impression that it's going somewhere. But when it actually gets there, it's not anything particularly interesting. It's just two giant robots having a kaiju fight, and you would think that wouldn't be boring, and yet... One thing that I understand from toy lines or IPs that keep getting rebooted over and over again is that the general philosophy is that you don't necessarily need to hold on to that same audience. You recycle it about every four years because at that point, you're interested in getting that same age demographic that you've been aiming for this whole time, except they're younger now, and they don't want it to be something that, like 
only their older sibling is into or something that is only remembered as something I was into when I was little. You want to keep recycling, you want to keep hitting those kids. Which is probably part of why Ninjago has functioned fairly well, because they really streamlined a lot of this lore stuff and pretty much just made it mostly about, look at these cool Lego sets, and also we'll add a little bit of lore in there just to, you know, keep you interested. Yeah, as opposed to a 10-year ongoing story Yeah, that only gets more complicated as time goes on. Yeah, Ninjago is constantly soft reboots simply because there's just like the slate doesn't really need a whole lot there to clean off. It is not one that you commit a whole lot of energy to unless you're like someone who is really specifically a true fan or you're a little kid. Which is why asking about Ninjago lore on a date will not get you laid. No, probably not. How long has Ninjago been around? Are they having sex yet? I think they're having sex at this point. I don't know. I don't want to entertain that notion. <laughs> it will make me wither harder into an old husk. Began in 2011. So no, not yet. Maybe. I guess maybe, actually. Like, what's the target lines for Ninjago? Like 6 to 10? So if you were 10 in 2011... If you were 6 in 2011, you might be f- You might be having your first Ninjago lay, but probably not yet. Your first awkward lay that occurs when your parents aren't paying attention. Which probably means that you're trying really hard not to think about Ninjago as much as possible. Yeah. Don't talk about Ninjago. Hide the Ninjago. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Legos. Legos are good, actually. Legos are good. Legos are good. To to Bionicle's credit, it did save Lego. It didn't solely save Lego. The fact that they picked up the Star Wars and Harry Potter licenses also contributed to saving Lego, but Bionicle did do a lot to save Lego. Yeah, and there was a point there where Lego, aside from like some of these specialty brands like Bionicle, they were almost exclusively doing like IPs for a while. There was like a dark time where it was pretty much just they made Lego sets based off of pre-existing IPs and maybe a little bit of this too. But now they finally started like branching back out, doing like their own like theme sets. Like City is much bigger. They started branching out into the like ideas stuff that's more like the sort of fan generated things, the specialty sets. They started coming out with more sets that are for like you know, older builders, a.k.a. people who are over 30 who just want to follow some instructions and build a nice little toy. They want the soothing experience of building a thing according to instructions, but they don't need anything new from Ikea. So they're going to make <laughs> Legos. And I don't need the stress of a model kit. Don't make me saw pips down. <laughs> I can't do it. Just give me a baggie yeah. full of bricks. You even numbered them for me and you included one of the little removal bits, which like was maybe the most prized feature in my tub of Legos as a kid. Yeah, don't make us handle industrial adhesive. We're not responsible enough for it. No, I will make a mess. Just let me snap the bricks together and be like, ah, that's nice. So bonkles. So bonkles. I think we've all learned a lot today. I had a lot of terms (laughs) wash over me that I'm not sure I'll retain, but that's fine. That's entirely fine. I had the misfortune (laughs) of having a lot of this stick in my head, and I still had to do a lot of research to put this whole timeline (laughs) together because there are certain things, especially in the latter years, that just flew out of my brain. You know, I think that probably makes sense. I think that tracks. I have Googled a lot of pictures of robot toys today. Don't Google image search Rudaka, folks. (laughs) You may have made that mistake already while listening to the show. Hmm. I'm here to tell you that those that you did not, just don't. Just don't. Thirsty. They thirsty for RoboTitty, which is not really a surprise. It's too horny. <laughs> it's too horny. All the horny had to go somewhere. Rudaka was like Bionicle's awkward puberty. <laughs> they made a sexy femme fatale. Someone who was weaned on StarCraft finally got the chance to make a Robo Kerrigan. Yeah, that's basically what happened. This is Robo Kerrigan. <laughs> 
All right. Well, folks, I think we've thoroughly convinced you about boggles. It's time for our final facts. Annie, what's your final fact? My final fact is that people are horny for robo titties. <laughs> I feel like we knew that already. Mac, what's your final fact? My final fact is if you're going to get into Lego, don't go calling your local toy store asking if you, they have a special one that was out of stock five years ago and is no longer being made because they don't. Oh, no. <laughs> Which one? Some guy called about some city Lego like that was retired five Just... years ago. I can't even remember what one it was. He got very upset we didn't have it. Oh, here's another fact. Don't be a f***ing Lego scalper, you assholes. <laughs> Those are toys for children. Yep. Let children be able to buy toys, you dick. <laughs> you are literally taking toys away from children. You are the villain of a Christmas movie. You are stealing toys from... like. <laughs> they have to lock up Legos because people will try to run with them. They will literally try to steal Legos. Don't do that. Just let children have toys. <laughs> also, stop scalping Pokemon. Yeah, let children funny. buy things made for children. Anyway, Kit, what's your final fact? <laughs> I feel like we veered away from the original point somewhat, <laughs> but I'm going to add that if the major appeal of your fantasy setting is that it is unknowable and mysterious, don't make your plot focus around uncovering the reason behind all of the <laughs> mysteries, because you'll just kill any appeal your setting had. At the very least, like, don't keep doing that, right? Because it's just like uncovering, 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 uncovering. You only really get to do one of those once. It's a mystery box, Matryoshka all. You can only really do that once. You can't keep finding the real reason that things are like this because all the rest of the shit that you thought was the real reason, well, that's just fake. If you keep doing that, eventually you reach the bottom and at the bottom is a giant robot. <laughs> Wait, but that's cool though. It would be cool, except it's not. <laughs> Congratulations, folks. You can kill the appeal of a cool giant robot. This is how. Instructional video. <laughs> Join us next time, which I believe will be our February episode, which means it's our Valentine's Day episode, which means me and Mac mm -hmm. are going to yell about something real dumb. Oh, no. <laughs> it's not about making love. It's all about making you smile. <laughs> We're going to be talking about Boys Over Flowers, uh. which is a shoujo that ran so long it turned into a Jose. It switched, like, the age range for what kinds of stories it was appealing to. And we're going to be explicitly, while we will talk about the manga, which we've both read, uh, we're going to actually be explicitly talking about the K-drama, which is not the manga. No, but it was also so popular that it basically created, like, a fashion revolution in young people in South Korea. Because we're going to be talking about yep. Boys Over Flowers. Because in a K-drama, amnesia plots are the least of your worries. <laughs> um, yeah, the experience that Mackenzie had throughout this entire episode, that's going to be my experience next episode. I'm very excited. <laughs> it's not about Gwem John D. It's not about making love. It's all about making you smile. <laughs> Stand by me and these other two guys. Na -na 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 -na. They license three songs. <laughs> and they played them on repeat the whole time excellent so join us for that next time 
I Will Fight You comes out every five weeks. You can find us wherever you download podcasts. It is edited by Lucas Brown of the Math of You podcast. If you want to find us on Twitter, we are at CRC Podcasts. We are also on Tumblr at crookedrussiancam.tumblr.com. But you can find most of the information about us on our website, crookedrussiancam.horse or crookedrussiancam.gay, where you can find out info about this show as well as our other shows, Gem Jammer and Date Me Damn It. If you would like to support us, a like, rating, review, subscribe, where we find our podcast is super useful and nice to hear compliments about our very dumb things. And if you want to give us money for yelling about very dumb things, you can do that at patreon.com slash the gem jam. For a dollar a month, you can get early episodes of I Will Fight You. Five dollars, you can get show notes. And that also gets you a ton of other stuff for all of our other shows as well as things like bonus podcasts that involve more yelling in a smaller format. <laughs> we mostly just yell, folks. Tinier versions of some of our hosts yelling equally as loudly. Mm -hmm. And with less editing. <laughs> Check out Bionicle Mask of Power. You can wish list it on Steam. There you go. Until next time, I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And we have fought you. Yeah, Mac, look at these edgy robots. Edgy robots. Bop, 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 bop. They are edgy as shit, God. Right? Look at their little angry faces. Grr! They all have, like, these little anglerfish. All their faces look like Thanos. <laughs> they kind of do, with the huge chin and, like, the stuff on the chin. Yeah. Edgy robots. Bop, 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 bop. Edgy robots. Bop, 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 bop. <laughs> the black one looks like he's holding a sunflower. He does. I think that's supposed to be like a little like saw blade, maybe, but it just looks like he's holding a nice little daisy. You know, it makes sense. Yeah, he's just <laughs> holding a daisy. He's going out for a stroll. They have little like vestigial tails. That's weird. I just can't stop looking at their Thanos heads. I like the fact that they have little like angry oh. teeth. Grr. Yeah, the little angry teeth. Are you guys looking at pictures of the Paraka? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>